Welcome to Whatever Works, our unique fortnightly podcast in which we talk about whatever works in our lives and in the lives of our community members. Find us at whateverworks.works. And why not join our community? Simply search for Whatever Works at mewe.com and get stuck in. Hello everyone and welcome to another thrilling special edition of Whatever Works. With me, as usual, it's Aidan Bell. Hello, Aidan. Hello, Aidan Bell. <laughs> and we have a special guest this week, um, who is Gareth Miles, my co-host on Tech Addicts. Hello, Gareth. Hello. I'm, I hope I'm not the reason why this is special. I was just wondering, oh, are, are we are. saying Gareth is special? <laughs> he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not that way. No. <laughs> No, not that. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Snow. <laughs> Welcome to the show, anyway. Uh, we, we, we'll, um, we'll have some fun for the next hour or so with you and what you brought to, to share with the group. The, this is show 133. It's on Friday the 19th of March, 2021. And just a couple of reminders, as usual, whateverworks.works is our website where you'll find links to all the stuff we do. Um, we also have the MeWe group. And we also get the links to all the stuff we're talking about into your podcatchers. So you should be able to click along and see where we go with that one. TedSalmon.com for me, AidenBell.com for Aiden, and GarethMiles.com for Gareth. Blimey, I'm knackered already. <laughs> now, if you want to buy me a coffee, then feel free. PayPal.me forward slash Ted Salmon. Let's press on straight away with feedback from the wonderful MeWe group where everyone pops in and out and lets us know what all the stuff that works in their lives. And true to fashion, I'm going to ignore that completely. <laughs> Just want to ask you, Gareth, this is often a point in the show where Ted and I tease each other because he's in lockdown and I'm not or vice versa. Where are you coming to us from today? Uh, well, I'm coming from Northern Ireland. Uh, I'm in my house, but I work every day, sometimes from home, sometimes in work. So uh, lockdown didn't really apply to me. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a, I assume everyone knows who Gareth is, but <laughs> perhaps perhaps they don't. <laughs> yes, there, there are people out there who haven't heard of me before and they're lucky. Okay, Gareth's on flexi lockdown. (laughs) So, as Ted was quite rightly saying, feedback from last show. And we start with Ted's dear mother, Esther Salmon, who says, Well done, fellas. Good show. Thank you, Esther. A small modification re-bread making. The book said to let the bread cool down before removing the container, which I did at first, and the paddle stayed in the bread. I remember we discussed that, Ted, how you ended up with a bread Lovely, beautiful, fresh-cooked loaf with a paddle in it. One day, says Esther, I must have been impatient and removed straight away, and the paddle stayed in the machine and always has since then. So I am ignoring the book's instructions. Yes, we'll have to change Ted's top tip from the last show from never read the book to always read the book, won't we? (laughs) Always read the book. The machine is great, says Esther. The only regret is that I did not get a smaller one, as I will probably never make a large loaf, so a less cumbersome machine would have been nice. And yes, um, in my stainless steel bread bin, the loaf stays fresh for two days, she says, referring to Chris Kelly's point about where to keep bread. Where do you keep your bread, Gareth, if that's not a personal question <laughs> uh in, in a bread bin but it's it's not quite traditional um it opens at the top and you drop stuff down into it so it's it's a bit more like a regular bin but rectangular 
but sort I of thought I'd be discussing that. Well, we had a conversation in the in I think it was the last show um, where Chris Kelly raised the point of whether bread should be kept airtight in plastic and thus possibly go mouldy, or kept in something which lets the air in and therefore possibly go stale. So I just wondered where you stood on the debate. Is all you mean you don't have your own bread maker? No, I don't. I I swap rusty coppers with uh, with the man up at the end of the street for bits of plastic with bread inside. <laughs> it you, saves an awful lot of stress and strife, and I don't even have to read a book. You know what this also <laughs> raised is is the point about, in, indeed, as you said, Ted, instruction manuals, whether you read instruction manuals or don't. I find, personally, I tend very rarely to even bother opening an instruction manual unless I find I can't cope, and then I use it as a reference book after the event. And then there are other people I know who just swear by them religiously and have to do absolutely everything verbatim, word by word, and, and you know, the, the world will come to an end if you do anything that it doesn't say in the book. Um, so I, you, I, th- I think it depends on what it is to some degree. For example, if I get something, um, a piece of self-assembly furniture, I have learned from experience, just don't try and tackle it on, without looking at the um, instructions. Just put the instructions out, look at it, and get an overview of what you're doing at least before you're, you're tackling it. But I, I agree with you in terms of buying a, a Zoom recorder or, or a bread maker. I'm, I'm more likely to do what you just suggested. Uh, Gareth? Uh, well, actually, I was thinking about it the other day. I, I got some home phones uh, for my home. And compared to the documentation that you get with a mobile phone, which is way more complicated than the home phones, the home phones had a massive amount of documentation. <laughs> yes. And I figured that it was for the age group that might actually be buying a home phone as opposed to like an iPhone, yeah. which comes with nothing. And I, I went through it and it's got all these strange symbols and tells you about electrical power and, 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 and stuff to be wary of. I'm like, hang on a second, why, why is all this in here? It's a simple phone compared to everything else that's tech. Yeah, yeah I, f- I, I find I've often been frustrated that... For instance, the best example, mobile phones don't come with printed manuals. But then I guess the manual would be A, so thick, and B, out of date so quickly. It's just Mm. not possible anymore, is it? But I I do miss that. Yes, yes. It's all online anyway. Some of them them do. Some phones, I find that there's a a, a book in the thingy. They tend to be more obscure ones, though. Like, for example, a Yota phone or a a Razer phone. Or Actually, no, the Razer one didn't. But anyway, you get the point. Um, There is stuff in there. But you're quite right, Aidan. It's pitched at the point at which that version of Android is um, on the phone. So it's going to change very quickly. Yes. Now... Chris Kelly. It, oh, tech alert. Tech alert. <laughs> Fast forward, everyone. Chris Kelly explains Nixie tubes. Now, you have to keep up at the back if you're going to try and listen to this, because I brought to this Nixie tube um, uh, bedside radio thingy on the last show, and it looked really neat and cute, but I didn't really know how Nixie cubes work. But Chris Kelly tells us there are a cold... Ca- sorry, sorry, these are a cold cathode device. Other devices have heated cathodes. The Nixie tube has multiple cathodes in the shape of the numerals to be displayed, surrounded by neon gas. So there was neon in it, um, all contained in a glass tube. Applying a voltage between the anode and relevant cathode causes the charismatic, charismatic, (laughs) characteristic orange neon glow around the cathode. 
Starting the glow takes a couple of hundred volts, but it can be maintained by a few tens of volts. They are very reliable and typically last for hundreds of thousands of hours. They were installed in various bits of equipment at the factory where I worked for 12 years. Somewhere else Chris has worked. And I don't recall any of them failing. So thank you very much, Chris. It was really interesting to um, read that and to try and digest what you're talking about. And, um, yeah, I think it just looks really neat, really nice and really retro, doesn't it? And it is, it, is, it is fabulous to have a resource called Chris Kelly where when we don't understand something, we just put it out there. And, and, and yeah. you know, it's almost like another... There's Google, there's Alexa, and there's Chris Kelly. Yay, good old Chris. And not far behind him is Ian Barton, uh, Gareth. Well, yes, uh, Ian has recommended the Wazgidge. Wazgidge. <laughs> uh, this is the Wazgidge original, uh, which is, uh, a, what are you looking at? It's a puzzle concept uh, where you have to use your imagination to piece together what the characters in the scene printed on the box are looking at. It's a, let, it's a let, jigsaw puzzle. Let me explain. <laughs> On the last show, or the one before that, we were talking about jigsaws, and we were all getting into jigsaws in lockdown. Ian Barton came along and said, um, hang on a minute, because there's a more challenging version of a jigsaw called a wasgidge, which is um, jigsaw spelt backwards. Did you realise that? Did you? Did you? Did you? Check you. Oh, fiendish. Yeah. Very good. So, um, anyway, the, the, the way in which this works is that instead of them giving you a piece of uh, a, um, a picture of what to make the jigsaw from they give you the the view of a person in the picture that they would be seeing so imagine you're seeing sitting looking at a scene in a lounge where there's um, three people sitting on a sofa on the right and a television on the left well that picture is not what the jigsaw is what they'll say is that the um, person on the right in the middle of the sofa is looking across the room from that angle and so the picture you're looking for is what he will be looking what he will be seeing from his angle i think that i'm i've mm. got that right i think that's how it works and i've never seen one of these but i, I understand that's how it how it happens well looking at the, the cover of the box and then looking at a picture that someone has taken later on um, it, it seems that it's uh, it's a couple of seconds later or a, a minute later in, in the scene. You know, it, it's got the setup on the box. And then what you put together is what happened whenever something happened in the scene. And uh, surprisingly, there's a large amount of... Um, is that lingerie and things in this particular <laughs> yes. one that we're linking to? <laughs> yeah, you're you're quite right, Gareth. Because although you are you are indeed correct, Ted, and that's exactly the concept as it's described by the marketing. Gareth, I think, has got the point because I, if you look at the Amazon link, that uh, among the photographs, there's actually a video that you can watch, and in the video they show you three or four examples. And I agree with you, Gareth. They're not really what the people are seeing at all, are they? They are they are an alternative scene incorporating the characters on the box. Um, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. I, I I don't understand anymore. I thought I understood, <laughs> and now and now I don't. Uh, well, I don't understand the concept <laughs> of buying a jigsaw puzzle that isn't the picture on the box at all. You might just as well have a blank box and say, work out what the picture is as you're doing it. I think it's gimmick, but it's interesting right. gimmick. I quite uh, like the idea. It it gives you it's it's like two cells of a, a comic book. And uh, one is the setup, and the second is the payoff, and, you, and you're putting together the payoff. Yes, okay, okay. In that case, I agree with you. And then that case, what I don't like is is the false advertising saying it's what they are looking at because it isn't. It's exactly <laughs> as you've put it, Gareth. It's the payoff. Yes. 
Get us out of this tent, uh, please. I'm very, very confused. <laughs> Let's go back to another tech alert. And um, Ian's going to just blow our minds with this one as well. Tiddly Wiki. Do, does anyone use Google Keep? This is, Google oh. Keep is the simple version of this, I think. Yes, I've heard of this before, actually. Yeah, Tiddly Wiki is a complicated version, but a very capable one, says Ian, which is why he brought it. Have you ever had the feeling that your head is not quite big enough to hold everything you need to remember? A unique non-linear notebook for capturing, organising and sharing complex information. Use it to keep your to-do list, um, to plan an essay or novel, or to organise your wedding. Record every thought that crosses your brain or build a flexible and responsive website. So this is quite um, much, this this does much more than the likes of Google Keep does. And Ian says, um, it's completely browser-based and will work on just about any browser and any operating system. You can choose to save your data locally or on an almost endless number of backends. There are a vast number of templates, add-ons and example sites to get you started. However, you can easily use it just out of the box. You can get started by downloading an empty copy of Tiddly Wiki and opening it in your browser. You can choose to save your wiki just on your local computer or on one of the supported backends, so you can view, edit it anywhere. It's like getting a bit complicated now, but um, I'm planning to use it, says Ian, instead of Google Keep. So, yeah, it basically just does tons more stuff than the likes of Google Keep. I did actually go and have a look at the website, and Gareth, I, 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 I reckon that you're going to understand what's going on here more than I am. Yes. <clears throat> Elaborate, <Right>. sir. <laughs> we didn't get you on the show just to say yes. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. We want to know why. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard of it before, but I haven't looked into it just yet. I, I'll have to do a bit of investigating, um, and perhaps we could come back to it in the tech addict. Well, no, here, let me put it another way then. I am very traditional, old-fashioned. The app that I open without fail, without doubt, more than any other on my phone, is a very simple text file on which I keep a to-do list, and I just move text up and down the list, and I'm happy with that. So, uh, for an idiot like me, what is this? Well, it's as Ian says, it, it just does a ton more stuff about it. It, it, it. You can you can build websites with it. You, I mean, you can't use you couldn't use Google Keep to build a website. This is a this is a different tool. If you want to plan, what what are those things that we used to use back in the Scion days? Um, brainstorming thingies. Do you remember those? Where where you would um, yeah mind mapping mind mapping mind mind mapping. That's what. Do you remember that? I do, yes. There yeah, is yeah, yeah. another thing like this, and I can't remember what it's called, um, and it's just popped into my head. I tried using it a wee while ago, and I watched a couple of YouTube videos about it. Um, and it, you could build websites and uh, and um, a whole, uh, basically, conveyor belt for your ideas and remember everything that you need to do. And I can't remember what it was called. It began with an N, I think. A secretary. Yeah, if you fire back to the 80s, oh, oh, that's really bugging me now. I'll remember it by the end of the show. That's very helpful, yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to that then, shall we? Uh, <clears throat> anyone that wants to fast forward and then come back to where we were, then press rewind and stop here! I wonder who bought it. 
Well, a new jingle. A new, Blimey. A new jingle. Well, I was hassled. I was hassled. Don't ask me where that weird child inspiration <laughs> came from. There you are. I wonder who bought it. There we are. Let's just wonder yeah. who bought it. <laughs> Very nice. He loves his jingles, don't he? Whatever works, eh? Ian Watson's idea, don't forget this is. I wonder who bought it. This is where I have a dip into the um, the list of stuff that people have bought on the Amazon, the Whatever Works Amazon um, associate link. And this time I've picked something that just looks a bit interesting and different. The Big Cheese Rat Cage Trap. Blimey. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's another one of my... This is very interesting, no. dear listener and, um, and Gareth. Uh, and Ted and I have discussed this off air in the last couple of days. This is the second time in a row that Ted's I wonder who bought it, I wonder who bought it section has brought out something that I myself have recently bought. However, being the stingy bastard that I am, I didn't buy them through Ted's associate link. So it's quite weird. And we're wondering if perhaps because I'm such a twat with Internet and don't know how it all works and have used Ted's link in the past, perhaps I'm inadvertently somehow buying the odd purchase via Ted. So, in fact, Ted, this may or may not be me, but I have just bought two of these fantastic rat trap cage In things. that case, you can, you can take it away. I'll take tell it us all away. About them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll read your notes and I'll see if I agree with them. Yeah. Ted says, humane live catch trap, indeed. Delivered, fully assembled, indeed. 36 by 14 by 16 centimetres, lifetime promise. Is that the lifetime of me or the rat, I wonder? The cage trap is built from long-lasting, galvanised, metal, rust-resistant, waterproof, spring-loaded door, more efficient than gravity-led doors, ideal for humanely catching fast-paced rats, securely holding them before they can be released unharmed. There's a hand plate underneath the carrier handle for easy handling, protecting the user's hand while carrying the cage from any scratches or bites. No internal joints, so any captured animals cannot harm themselves on the structure while inside. £9.83. Pence. I can concur with all of that, except that you'd need a damn sight more than the plate, or the plate is gratefully appreciated, the carry handle plate. But um, I've used this, um, as you may have heard before, I built a pond outside in the garden. And I've been having a wee rat problem Did lately, you? I won't bore you with, but I've had these rat traps out for some nights and I caught my first rat with great excitement uh, two nights ago and yeah. got up in the morning. Uh, and because I, A, because I'm, I'm nervous and B, because I didn't want to take any chances anyway, I then got a very large, sturdy plastic box that has a sealable lid. I picked up this thing with gloves on, put it into the box, sealed the box, then put that in the car and then took the, like, took the sweet rat for a drive and led it out in a field um, some miles away from the house. So I can... <laughs> So I can concur. It it works. Uh, it does what it says on the on the cage, and um, yeah, and also less than a tenner, just nine pounds eighty three. You have to buy two, uh, so I've got two of the things out there. And um, rats are incredibly clever. I mean, I have a security cam pointing out there at night, so I can see the the, the movement and the rat or rats are there every single night six or seven times they trip the cameras and i can see this action and yet will the buggers go into those things no they will not until one idiot finally did and i caught it right is this one of those stories that you tell kids that the rat is now living out in the field and has a wonderful life and raising a family and cycling <laughs> bikes and things like that when in fact actually you just chucked the cage in the river 
<laughs> no, no, my worry is is the Stephen King-style imagination that one day I shall open my bedroom door and there will be the rat on my bed staring up at me saying, What did you do to me? <laughs> You must have this. You, you live in the kind of countryside-ish area, don't you, Gareth? You must have rats around over there. How do you deal with them? Uh, we have uh, St. Patrick. Um, he comes... <laughs> um, no, I've, I've never actually... I saw a rat. I drove over a rat, actually, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I where the horse is, but uh, no, no, rats aren't really a problem here. Um, right. I think I put that together from what you said about having a horse, and I thought, well, whenever I was involved with horses, um, looking after horses in the past, there was there was always rats everywhere, so I guess that's not near your house, though. Oh, they have little dogs and things, they get rid of the rats. But the other difference mm. is, if you're talking about large properties with horses and space, then rats aren't such a huge problem as if you're in a small house on an estate and you've got a garden and rats in a small area, then it becomes a bigger problem. Mm. Fair enough. OK, then. Anyway, I may or may not have bought it from you, Ted, and I thank you, and yeah. I, I may or may not do it again. <laughs> Who knows? Do rats eat chips? Probably. Okay, so essentially, I went into Tesco and I would not hand over the it was about four pounds fifty for a big bottle of ketchup. I got very annoyed by that, and I went down to B and M or one of the pound stretchery type places, and I couldn't find any decent ketchup. And in our household, we will only eat the good old fashioned Heinz tomato ketchup. I know there are alternatives that are just as good, but. There are snobs that sit at the dinner table and they insist on seeing that Heinz at night, 1869, Heinz 57 or whatever. So I went on to Amazon and I had a look at their ketchup and I thought, well, you know, you can do that subscribe and save thing. And I have to say, it really drops the price down considerably to £2.38p for one of the big bottles of 910 grams worth of ketchup. And it arrives monthly and I don't have to go out and get it. They also do salad cream and a few other ones as well recommended that for regular purchases like ketchup is that mm. a regular amazon or is that their their fresh ghost grocery thing which i've never used myself that's a regular amazon the subscribe and save thing so you can pantry through. pantry that's no, the one yes done that's away the with one. now right ah so maybe pantry has become fresh uh, no, it doesn't even say anything like that around it. It's, it's just it's Amazon, um, and you can subscribe to it like you can with everything else. It's funny with Amazon with with consumables, with food and stuff, because some things they you can really be ahead on, and other things like uh, my mum gets coffee from Amazon, and she swears that it's it's a really really good price. But mm -hmm. but the next thing you find on Amazon. It's, you know, like a, a box of Freddo bars or something, and it's ridiculously priced, overpriced. Um, they, they they seem to just not be able to get their pricing right with consumables, in my experience. It does. It goes up and down. And, and certain things, like I, I, I figured soup would be a great thing, buy a, a big thing of 24 tins of soup. And off Amazon, that was ridiculously expensive. But then that could be delivery or whatever, or they maybe just charge a bit extra for that. But uh, all sorts of little things like these, toothpaste... Um, mouthwash, uh, all that kind of stuff. Whenever you throw them in, you get the extra 15% knocked off the top. The price comes in a good bit below Tesco, and you don't have to go to Tesco. Right. <laughs> Other supermarkets yes. are available. While you gentlemen have been chatting, I've just been typing away into Amazon, and it is indeed called Fresh. It is a same-day de grocery delivery on orders over £40. 
So, oh, oh well, I, well, I don't get that here because I presume that's what used to be pantry, and they're now calling it fresh. Well, that's the same fresh as we covered on Tech Addicts last week, which is that the shop they started up in London where you walk in. Oh, and walk out. yes, okay. And that that was Amazon Fresh, wasn't it? Ah, but for Northern Ireland people, we don't get fresh because it, it's it's stale. Day to get over here, <laughs> yes. stale. Amazon stale. <laughs> Even the rats. I bring you Amazon too. I bring you regular Amazon again. I bring you the Peak EU 10 piece chain extender, necklace extender, bracelet extension, chain DIY, jewellery making, silver and gold things. Um, mm. I, I don't think my mother will mind me saying. Um, I found her the other day taking off a necklace which she had extended by using a safety pin. And despite the name, I said, a very old safety pin, I said, I really don't feel very comfortable with this. I don't think this is very safe. Um, that you're, you know, and she said, well, the necklace wasn't long enough. And therefore, she'd used the safety pin to extend the length of the necklace a little so it fitted better around her neck. And I said, yes, that's all very well, but you're going to end up looking like an episode of Silent Witness when you lean back and this pin will pierce the back of your neck and you'll die and the autopsy will say... Miss Hazelbell had a very tiny hole in the back of her head that caused her death. <laughs> um, so I got onto our favourite website and I found this rather cunning device. It's a very short chain. You actually get um, four pieces twice in two colours. Uh, no, five pieces twice in two colours. And they they start at about, I don't know, an inch, two and a bit centimetres in new money. And then there's one slightly bigger, one slightly bigger. And the biggest one is something like 15 centimetres in length. And you use them to extend necklaces. Now, I can't actually speak for how good or bad they are because my mother had, of course, typical sods law. She hasn't worn another necklace since. But looking at them, I've got one in my hands now as I'm talking to you, and they it seems to be a fairly decent, fairly strong bit of um, jewellery chain with a hook on each end. So you hook one end to the end of the necklace and the other end to the other end of the necklace, and voila, your necklace is longer. Cunning and available in two colours and £6.59 for ten. These look like little tiny handcuffs that you could put on rats. <laughs> What's going on at your house? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Well, uh, well, I am cons- I am concerned about you saying that safety pins are not safe, though. Well, at the back of your neck. I mean, remember, these are safety <laughs> pins that my mother's grandmother bought and have been in the family for 180 years. And I'm just a bit concerned because if, if it came on un- unpinned, then you've got this very, very sharp needle at the back of your neck. And if she were to sit so down and lean back, I don't know, like to think what might have happened. So we're going to rename them unsafety pins? Yes, because these aren't safety pins as we all know them today, where you lift the top slightly in order to open and close it, and it can't open by itself. This was an old safety pin. Well, that's a, that's a, an unfair living, because 180 years and they haven't killed anyone yet. I'm digging myself into a hole here, aren't I? <laughs> that's a pretty good average. Shall we move on? <laughs> I'm going to peel some potatoes, which rats like too. This is a bit of a rat show, isn't it? Um, it is, okay. The, we, we have this potato peeler, which just takes your skin off. It's, it's just lethal. The thing is like a razor blade. It's really... Um, I'm sure that if you use it very carefully, it's fine. Um, even my mum won't use it for, for peeling potatoes. So, anyway... Mm. Um, oh, she, she uses it for carrots, with things that you can... Or, or um, parsnips. Things that you can actually just swipe away from you. Anyway... This Chef Aid speed peeler for one pound ninety nine was just perfect, and I thought that'll do the job. 
and it took me back to previous days when I'd had one exactly the same. It's a really good design. It's like a catapult design, and uh, um, the, the blade goes across the middle, you, and it just never gets your fingers. Much, much better idea, much better design, smarter all round, and less than two quid. I'm sure you can probably buy them cheaper on um, eBay or something, but uh, it's done the job. No more blood, no more plasters needed from the first aid kit. <laughs> I must confess, I very rarely peel potatoes these days, but I do on occasion, and I've never felt in any danger from my potato peeler. Good. Well, you must have one like this, then. No, I have a regular old-fashioned... Again, it's about 180 years old, like the safety pins. Yeah, I, but the one that we have in the house, is, it's just got... It's really, really, really sharp. Anyway, okay. the, the point is that the, the, the potato peeler that you um, are referring to, I think, is, is a... Is a is a like a knife. It's a it's a it's a stalk, yeah, and the and the blade goes down the end both sides, yeah. I have not my potato peeler in front of me, but I think well, so. The point is that the the design of this speed peeler is just much much better. You can get your fingers into the hole in the handle, and you just don't cut yourself in the same way that mm -hmm. that you can do with other ones. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> there is a quicker way, you know. Yeah. If, see, if you t if you take a bucket and you fill it with water, not full, uh, just an enough, and then pour a bunch of potatoes into it so that they're floating around. And this is coming from someone who lives in a country that's filled with potatoes. And hmm. um, you take a toilet brush that is clean, not one that's been used. You snap off the handle so that you have uh, the, like the the cross bit of the the the, the, the handle part. Yeah. And then you put that into a drill. Right, and then clamp the drill around it. <laughs> then you put the toilet brush into the water and turn the drill on. That will peel all of the potatoes really quickly because they'll spin around in the water and it'll all just come off. The skin will come off. That's how I do them at Christmas. That's a very Mythbusters way of peeling potatoes. Why, don't, like you, why don't you get electrocuted? feel good too. Why don't you get electrocuted? Because uh, you just use a battery-powered drill as opposed to a mains-powered belt. Don't put the drill in the water. Ah, uh, ah, <laughs> uh, ah. Uh. Alternatively, when, we, when, when I used to work in care homes, we had a machine that peeled potatoes. It was just brilliant. You just chuck these things in. A commercial machine, obviously, for a commercial kitchen. And I, I used to love using that. It was great fun. I think it steams them, doesn't it? Because it quickly steam boils the skin, which falls off. But the starch content of the skin is, is not as strong as the starch content of the potato. So it boils quicker and falls off. This one was just a peeler. Um, and, and if you look inside the drum, the drum goes round. And if you look inside, it's got basically glass paper on the inside. So as it turns round, a bit like a stone smoother, you know, as, okay. uh, as the thing spins round, it whacks against, against the sides, which is the same principle as what Gareth is saying, really, is that with his drill that you just it, an abrasive edge um, and spinning mm. potatoes. But were you not very impressed with my knowledge of steam potato peeling? I didn't really know what you're talking about, to be honest. I, I was impressed, Aidan. Well done. Thank you. I want one. I want one. I want one. I want one of those. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to bring to the show an interesting thing that I'm going to expand upon that I spoke of on TalkSport once before. And it was a little brass hook that you could use to, to push things and touch things and grab things and do stuff with so that you didn't actually have to interact with the environment around you and therefore lessening your exposure to nasty germs and mutatious viruses that happen to be out there at the moment. This thing is called the Copper Corner, and it's, uh, it's an Indiegogo campaign for a little cheap bit of copper that goes 
molds onto the corner of your phone and you use that to touch things because you've always got your phone in the hand uh, and you can press buttons on the sc screen um, on the because it has a little area that you can touch with your finger and it'll pass on the uh, capacitive uh, nature of touchiness to whatever you have to be touching. <laughs> the capacitive nature of touchiness. That sounds like a strange indie movie, but do carry on. Yes, the, the term has gone... <laughs> Ted will help me with it. The electrical thing that uh, activates screens whenever you touch screens, not the resistive part, uh, property. Capacitive. Capacitive one, yes. Um, it, it'll also work with resistive ones as well where necessary. You can use it to press elevator buttons and, uh, and do all kinds of things just whenever you happen to be pressing stuff. It's a tiny little copper bit that goes on the top of your phone case and you can use it to press things at the ATM or press things on those uh, tap to pay things if, if you need to because I, I, I think they're getting a bit more intrusive in, in some of the stores and you have to press a number of times in order to be able to pay without actually having to hand over any cash so it, it can do that it's a really simple way of doing things it's uh, I think it's $17 on Indiegogo at the moment uh, would you gentlemen be interested in this at all? Well I, I, was, I, I went to the um, supermarket the other day actually which is an unusual event for me and I and I saw someone typing in their number for their card and I thought to myself that's that's really not very safe and she, the, no. the, she went off afterwards and didn't squirt her hands or anything and so she's gone back and just carried on with life um I put my card in the, I think I might have said before, I put my card in the back of my glove so that when I come to pay for my stuff, I put the, the card is in my, inside my glove and you hold the back of your hand to the pay machine and it just does it from inside the glove, if you see what I mean. Oh, cunning. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that's quite a good, that's quite a good system. But your copper corner, I was thinking of this woman doing this. That would have been, that would have worked really well for her. She wouldn't have had to touch the, the individual numbers on the, the, the touchpad, and um, she could have just done it with that. So I agree, yes. But, 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 I, too, was in a garden centre, again, a rare occurrence, making a tentative first step out into the big wide world again, and I had to use one of these machines, and indeed, I had to clean my finger before and after. But as I was touching it, I thought of you, Gareth. And I realised if I did have a phone... <laughs> Sounds like you were about to pass on. There. <laughs> complete silence was that one was met with. I realised if I did have a phone with one of these on the corner, I couldn't have got it in there because a lot of these pads have this little um, uh, raised level around... They have a sort of barrier around three sides of it. Yes. I presume it's a privacy thing, so you, people can't yes. glance over and see what keys you're typing. You'd have to have a very, very small phone to get it in there to attach the keys. Not on every not on every console, obviously, but on this particular one, I thought then that corner phone wouldn't have worked on that instance because you wouldn't have been able to get the corner of your phone in to touch the buttons. True, true. Although I'd ripped the thing off the top of the uh, the, the the charge machine. Yes, right. Well, it's funny you say that because on that point, I wouldn't be able to use one of these at all because I have this weird phone, this Planet Computers Cosmo, which is like a tiny oh. laptop and opens and closes. So I wouldn't be able to use this. And it got me thinking and I wondered, could you not get something like just a copper thimble? And I actually looked on Amazon and such things are available. If you had a copper thimble on the end of your finger, you could presumably use that. 
Yes, well, that, that's essentially what I'd, I'd spoken of before, which it, it looks a bit like a key, I suppose, and it's got a hook at the end mm -hmm. that you can use to pull down handles and stuff. Yes. So it, it's kind of an expansion of that, but then you can use that to press buttons, and because it's made of copper, it conducts the capacitive electricity that I explained so effectively earlier on. Um, but yes, it, using them both together would be would keep you totally safe from life out there. Captain Hook would get on very well during COVID, wouldn't he? If he had a copper hook, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, you see, we needed a jingle there to break the ice, How but let's have, Ted, let's have Ted's offering How instead. We, How do we get up to <laughs> Captain Cook from there? <laughs> well, you've now got to get from Captain Cook to... Yeah, to my um, brass and wood... Uh... Oh, Captain Cook wanted to be a great ruler. Yeah. See what I've done for you there, Ted. Very good. Um, and he also <laughs> wanted a brass and wood hook. No, never mind. Right. The, the, the I item... tried, Gareth. I try. I put it on a plate for him and it just falls onto the floor. The item... oh, Captain Cook wasn't an aspiring ruler. Oh, don't start. He went and discovered Antarctica, didn't oh, he? I know he was Peter Pan. Mrs. Stone. <laughs> yeah, it didn't exist, did he? <laughs> um, right. Novus rule. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rule the roost now and say, okay, yep. right. This is a 250 to 350 pound ruler. Can you believe wow. it? Wow! Wow! I saw this online and I thought that looks absolutely lovely. It's a handmade um, oak mahogany or walnut ruler with the handles made of that, and and the 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 the, the ruler itself is made of brass. Um, and it just looks like a really classy measuring device that we used to have in the house, or we used to have, um, uh, you know, you would have in your 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 geography kit or your stuff you yes. took, you know, you took to school. Um, and this one just looked like a a really really classy nice ruler. It says designed as a fine measuring and fine drawing instrument. The Novus rule is a marriage between a brass ruler and a wooden handle crafted to perfection in England. Sorry, Gareth. Made for precise measurements, a tactile grip, a minimal uh, and minimal warping and parallax error. The Novus rule is like the apex of rulers and and. I was thinking to myself, we, when I last used a ruler, and I was thinking, about, is this one of these things that people don't have anymore? But then I just remembered, actually, I do use a ruler because I um, quite often when, I, when I'm ordering something online and you can't envisage the size it is on the Amazon page or something and they don't give you the measurements, you can look at a ruler. And I do that quite regularly. And I thought, yeah, that would be really nice. But you'd have to be really... Um, loaded to buy a 250 to 350 pound ruler wouldn't you however nice it was and it does just look very nice it looks really really sexy and you mentioned um captain cook gareth this is the sort of thing you would that would look fine in captain cook's cabin or if you went to greenwich and looked at the you know the museum of of greenwich you, this is exactly what you'd see there isn't it it's beautiful if ridiculously expensive yeah, it's 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 a ruler. <laughs> it's a plastic a one. Ruler. Can't be 50p. Yes, I know. But let's look. You you missed the point of I want one of those. The point <laughs> is, you can have what you like, and money no object, and you can just look around and find lovely things. And this is a lovely thing. It looks like it's beautifully made, and it's stupidly expensive. And if you, as I say, if you had pots of money, then this is the kind of thing you'd buy. But I agree with Gareth. It's a ruler. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
would you actually use it or would you have it sitting there and just look at it and go, wow? You'd be too scared to use it, wouldn't you? You wouldn't dare use it. I would use it. I'd definitely use it. I I mean, I don't use a ruler these days, as I described just now, to draw lines because I can't remember the last time I picked up a pen, I don't think. Oh, yes, I can. But the point is that (laughs) I don't often draw or write or do anything with a pen, but... I do measure things, and it would be nice to have something nice. Uh, let's move on. You, you, you people are not sold on this. So. I use a ruler. I use a ruler quite often. I'm a maker. I, I'm very frequently needing to measure and draw up um, with a ruler. And every so often, I ruin a ruler because I pick up a sharpie and I draw a line and I go, "Oh, I've just drawn a black line across my ruler." So, well, all right, okay, let's move on. <laughs> I haven't got one. I'm nicking one of yours, Ted, because I was so impressed by your portable wind turbine oh yeah yes let's discuss ted's wind for a while the wind catcher is manufactured by danish startup kite x made mainly of interlocking glass fiber rods and recycled plastic and eps foam it weighs only 10 kilograms it has a turbine diameter of four metres and an uppermost reach of six metres. And apparently it is portable. You can put it in a bag and carry it on your back and it can be put up in approximately 15 minutes. So it just looks like a really lovely, fun way of, you know, if you're going on camping, why be boring and take an, an ex- take a battery pack when you can take your own wind turbine and generate power when you get there? I've got a feeling well, of deja vu here. I think we did this on Tech Addicts, didn't we, Gareth? Yeah, and then I did it again on Tuesday night. <laughs> well, I'm doing it again now, so it is. <laughs> I think that's the reason I didn't put it in the recording notes, and you did. <laughs> well, let me just say then that if you want the 200 watt model, it's going to set you back, as you gentlemen both know so well, $1,182, or the 600 watt model, $1,758. But as you said with your ridiculous expensive ruler, it doesn't matter. It's all good fun. No. It is, it is, it is a good thing. And, and do tune into last week's Tech Addicts. <laughs> to 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 find out what we said um, about it, and also into talk sport, then listen to Gareth talking about it. I can imagine Steve Litchfield next phone show saying, "I know it's not much to do with phones, Ted, but I just yeah, wanted to we'll tell do, you about it." Do it on every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, Gareth, back to Ian Barton. Yes, Ian Barton has uh, has fed back about his uh, DJ D, or he wants a DJI FPV drone. Which is a, a type of drone. What's an FPV? First person video? V- view, I, I view? imagine I was going for that. Yeah, yeah because it, um, because it does a special thing. See, uh, it, it's flying and controlling your drone using a VR headset at 86 miles per hour, shooting 4K video at 60 frames per second. The whole kit includes VR goggles and controllers. Uh, goggles, I was about to say Googles, but goggles included... Includes their own screen with no phone needed. So it's all there out of the box, which is pretty cool. Um, I couldn't possibly justify buying one of these, says Ian. Uh, but if uh, if I did get one, I'm pretty sure that I would uh, manage to crash it within a few hours. Whoa, what an experience that would be. Uh, only 20 minutes. An expensive experience. <laughs> only 20 minutes per flight. For the battery, however, have you looked at and the, then so I was going to say, sorry, Gareth, have you, have you looked at the yeah. video of this? Have you actually watched it? It's just amazing how this thing works and where it goes. Um, and mm-hmm. and yeah, it's worth just watching just to see it, just to see what what it, what it's all about. Amazing. There's some incredible stuff coming from these point of view drones that are coming out. I, I saw one recently of a 
oh, it was some shop or a restaurant or something like that, and they they decided they were just going to shoot this quick little commercial to advertise the the the, the service that they provided, and all they did was have a a drone spinning through it, going in and out of different rooms and bothering the customers and things, and it looked amazing, <laughs> and it was only thirty seconds long, but absolutely spellbinding. Some of the things that people can do here, it's a new form of uh, aerobatics. Aerobatics. Absolutely. I posted on the MeWe thread um, a video that was doing the rounds last week of a drone flying from the street down through the doors into a bowling alley That's and then flying around the bowling yeah. alley and then through the bowling alley out to the back where the where the um, pins uh, machinery is. And th- yeah, and it was just extraordinary. So we, we, we're talking about the same yes. video, I think, Gareth. Um, drones are amazing. I, in the filming work that I do, the, the, my cameraman Callum owns a DJI Mavic Pro, which I think is nothing like the the, 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 the FPV that Ian wants. But uh, it always impresses me how incredible drones are and how they, they are the steady cam of the sky. I mean, it's just it wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah. stuff. And I wouldn't dare try to fly one because, like Ian, I think it would be a very expensive accident waiting to happen. Well, if you watch the video um, at some point, you'll see that it's actually it's clearly quite difficult to master it. And the person, the, the voiceover, says that this thing comes with different modes for beginners and experienced, skilled people, and it clearly is quite difficult. But it, but it's also got. Um, a couple of buttons on it. One of them is um, to stop where you are and hover, and that's quite presumably quite useful. If you get lost or whatever, you can't find it, just press that button and it just hovers where it is. And the other button that I noticed was um, come back to base, so come back to the to the to the unit it charges from, presumably. Um, but twenty minutes per flight, you know, if you're spending one thousand two hundred and fifty quid um, for this, you know, smart kit. 20 minutes? Well, 20 minutes is quite a long time to be filming. And then you've got that footage at the end of it uh, to to go through. So you don't want to have too much. You want to be able to go out, get the shot you need, and then bring it back and have as little footage as possible to review. You've reminded me, Callum really had to have his wits about him on the last shoot that we did because it was a safety video and we were filming on a river cruise ship that was moving. So, of course, the drone took off and set off to get our shots of the moving ship. But, of course, if it were to return to base, it would return to where it started, where the ship is no longer there, and it would quietly park itself <laughs> yeah. in the river. Oh, yeah. So we, Callum was, had to make sure that on no, under no circumstances did he press the return home button or allow the drone to come back by itself, which it would do if, it got, if the battery gets down to a certain level, it automatically comes home, and he had to make sure that he landed it manually before the battery got flat enough that it landed itself in the oh, river. Flip. Yeah, yeah, that's a consideration. Yeah, but then I suppose this is all the training that you get whenever you have to go through all those long courses and how to do these. But it seems like, um, you know, looking at that video and, and watching what's going on there, it, all right, 1,250 quid is a lot of money, um, but actually it's not that much. You know, when you consider that that's the price of a, an iPhone 12 Pro, what's it, Max or something, you know, if for someone that's going to make good use of this and create video and, and actually do stuff with it, I suppose it's not that much money, is it? No, I don't think it is. And I think, like as with cameras, if you wanted to, I'm sure you can spend twenty, thirty, forty thousand yeah. pounds on an absolute bells and whistles professional filming drone. So, no, it's it's actually at the lower end of the scale. It's 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 pro prosumer. I think Indeed. is where it sits, isn't it? Now, Gareth, 
one of the great thrills you have coming on this podcast is you get to hear Ted sing. Still you sing and still you sing. <laughs> it's the best jingle of the whole lot, that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, he does actually um, manage to hit the notes quite well. Well, that's because he made the notes up. I mean, he could have hit any note he wanted. (laughs) Anyway, what are we still using this week? I, or I should actually correctly say my mother, is still using an item that Jen Tobb brought onto the show, number 84, in June 2019, so just about a year ago now, the the, the NRS Healthcare Dyson Jar Opener, which is a very clever little thing. It's just a cone made of silicon rubber, uh, which allows you to get a really good strong grip on a glass jar or a bottle or something that needs to be unscrewed and my mother who won't mind me saying is in her you know later years and doesn't have the strength of an ox um is very capable of opening quite tightly closed jars or bottles if she needs to with this thing it's very very clever nine pounds 98 at the moment and worth Mm, every penny very nice yeah, I do. I, I do remember that. I I, I, I remember the, this coming on the show, and it it was a recurring theme for quite a few weeks. I think um, people were trying all sorts of different methods by putting spoons up into the corners of jars and um, and, and whacking jars on That's the right. on the counter, and you know, um, <laughs> smash them open. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and that was yes. quite a good a good solution for for those people that needed that kind of help. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one sensible way of opening something is to get a tea towel and use that to give yourself grip. But this actually goes a step further because the silicone is already very friction-free yeah. and, 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 and sti- or friction-full and sticky. Good stuff. Terrific. Gareth, what, have you st- what are you still using that you heard about on the show? I didn't do my research to see exactly when it was. I mentioned it a long time ago, but um, I still have my sock sorter and it is essentially just um it's a, it's a piece of rope with a, a bunch of uh, sort of woggly type things uh, that can be moved up and down and um and you put socks in between them you oh, tighten yeah. them and then you put it into the washing machine and it washes all of your socks but crucially in pairs yeah, yeah. so you don't have to sort them out afterward i absolutely love it and i've got two on the go there's one in the washing machine and one being filled and then I take them out and I just let them dry. And then I swap them over. It's great. Brilliant. Save so much time in the morning and I always have a pair of socks ready to go. Now, whenever I bought it, it was something like £3.89. or It was stupidly cheap. Um, and I'm looking at it now and uh, it's £14. <laughs> However, I've just been advertised at the top of Amazon that uh, you can get two of them for £6.89. Eighty-eight, and they look somewhat similar. So they're, yeah. If you shop around on Amazon, you can still find them. But they're brilliant, absolutely brilliant things. They're obviously selling a lot. You're not the only person who knows his socks and his woggles, and obviously this thing's <laughs> taking off and becoming more expensive. I just love the word woggle. <laughs> I remember you. I remember you bringing these on, um, and um, it must have been quite, yeah, quite some time ago, because you haven't been on the show with, since Aidan's been here. So it must have been a long time back. Um, but yeah, brilliant idea. Very simple idea, and most often simple ideas are the best, aren't they? Actually, I, now I think about it, yes, Ted, you did have an opinion on these, and you said that you could just leave your socks in them and hang them up. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I think Julie. I think Julie Wells was on the show with us right. when we did this. 
And I was quite rude about them, so I'm going to keep right. quiet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're right, Gareth. I think I did say that. Just just don't bother putting them away. As soon as you yeah. take them off at night, put them back in, 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 each pair in. Yeah, that's right. Because what I was saying, I was, I was saying, what I was saying to you was that you just have two. One of them is for clean ones, and one of them is for dirty ones. Well, that's what I have. Yeah. Yeah, but you. But then I take them off and put yeah. them in a, a drawer. Yeah, yeah, because you're civilized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. My um, my thing that I'm still using is my chair. Um, which I brought to whatever works, 75 in February 19. And it's a song mix office chair. And it's a really, really good chair. It's it's fantastic. I pur- purposely got one um, to take my weight because this one is guaranteed to 23 stones. And um, I'm probably not far off that. We won't mention that. Um, and um, it's just an office chair. It's a big one. It's it's certainly solid. It, it's lasted um, what, February 19. How long was that? Two years? Yeah, over two years it's lasted. And I didn't really think it would be. I, you, you see these things that are, they say they're guaranteed to 23 same, but you, you kind of expect them to break after a while. But yeah, two plus years on and it was... Um, it's really done done the business when i bought it it was 70 quid or thereabouts i noticed that it's now 110 quid but actually to be honest now i know about this chair if i was going to be buying another one for some reason i would go back to the same one and i think it's worth 110 quid um and it's a jet yeah, not much else to say about it really and an office armchair the arms go up and down if you want them out of the way or in the way um, which I do actually all the time because the, the the desk I put it under um, the chair goes under better with the arms up out the way so on a daily basis I use that um, yeah really really nice chair nicely padded comfortable I sit in it for quite extended periods of times so periods of time um, and thoroughly recommended still um, all this time later so that's my still using Ted a long long time ago before I even knew you personally I think. Uh, so it probably wasn't this chair, but you were having great fun with a chair and a roll of gaffer tape and trying to make the chair stay oh, up yeah, that with was gaffer the, tape. That was the, no, no, no. It wasn't gaffer tape. It was the. It was the. That was the secretary's chair that they call them, and it was. It, it, that's a much simpler chair. And what I was doing is putting a jubilee clip round it. Oh, that's so, right. Oh, yes, yeah. I remember. If, that. If, if, if the mechanism underneath one of these chairs breaks, so it won't stay up, you put you put a jubilee clip round. And that worked on that chair for quite some time, um, but but that well, I was too heavy for that chair really anyway. Which is so why this is the probably. chair that replaced that one. Yeah, yeah, and no jubilee clip required. Indeed, mm, having a look at Keeper, actually, the price does go down to ninety five pounds and ninety nine p frequently. Oh right, okay, so it's up and down. Actually, this is the longest that has been up <laughs> hundred points. Up and down, like the chair. Well, I think I can concur, yeah. Ted, because if you look in our in our recording notes, I've popped a picture of the chair that I'm sitting on as I speak to you, which looks very similar to yours and is indeed most comfortable. So, there we go. Very good. How many weights? How much weight is that guaranteed for? I suppose you don't know, do you? I don't know. No. What do I weigh? At least a stone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that, that, that's the kind of chair um, which no one can see now. But we'll put a link in the show notes to my one so people can click through and see. Now, Absolutely. let's talk about what we've brought for the main section for our reviews. Who's going to go first? I'll jump in here. 
a slight cheat because I actually, or I, my mother, I purchased this for my mother some time ago. So it's not really, can't qualify as a new review. But I wanted to just bring up the subject and tell you how pleased we are with our rollator. R-O-L-L-A-T-O-R. Oh, what? Which is a rollator. It's basically a Zimmer frame with wheels. Ah. Um, it's a, 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 a disability aid or a, an elderly person's aid, which my mother has. My mother, who's now in her 80s, had a knee op in 2009 and then uh, a hip op in 2010. And so in order to help her with her mobility, recovering from these operations, we got this thing called a rollator. And in fact, she's kept it since because it helps her with the graceful move into into older age and it's it's wonderful it's much better than a stick uh and as the person who often is walking with my mother when she's using it i can vouch for the fact that the walking is a lot faster and smoother and easier with the relator than with a stick as i say it's basically a zimmer frame with wheels that you push in front of you um it's got a bag stroke seat stroke holder thing so you can you can lift the seat up and there's a little storage area underneath you can put your handbag in or groceries or whatever but you can also pull it down and sit on it you can't use it as a as a wheelchair as such but you can sit on it to take a break between walking um the whole thing is well made it's a decent proper product um there's two secure brakes on it so you can use the brakes if you're nervous about pushing it downhill for instance or when you stop you can put the brakes on fully to stop it from moving when you want to sit on it or get up or sit down um and my mother gets on very well with it she's added herself to my notes here to say that the chief advantage she finds is that while walking with a stick makes you lean to one side and rather unbalanced with the rollator your weight is equally distributed on both sides you're much better balanced a nurse friend my mother says told me that the nine years important of walking with a stick had quite unbalanced me with the rollator i've learned to walk again and i can now even manage to walk both with it and without it or with or without a stick a warning, though, you do have to control in firmly control firmly going downhill. It might run away with you, and it's hard work going uphill as well. Um, a couple of pictures which you can see, gentlemen, in our recording notes of my mother walking with it and also sitting in a queue at a garden centre, socially distanced from the couple in front, but taking a rest on her rollator. Mm. Excellent. Very Are you nice. both still awake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really good idea. And, and um, certainly my mum has, um, well, in actual fact, she's having a, a knee operation quite soon now. Um, and this, I think she w would, she'd be able to walk further with this, I think, um, and, and have somewhere to rest regularly. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, a, a really, really good idea. And I'm glad that Hazel um, makes use of it and it's very useful for her. Yes, going out and about with her, we, 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 you know, we take it in the car. And if we're just popping into a shop, she'll use a stick or even not use either. But if we're going to walk any distance at all of any, any great length, she'll say, oh, let's have the relator. And it really does. It's like it's, it's almost as if it's motorized. It almost somehow turbocharges my mother mm. and she can keep up at a normal walking pace when she's using it. And I have said 55 pounds 99 right which you know really Bargain. when you're talking about uh, a, a piece of serious equipment uh health and safety related for an elderly person you know you'd think 500 pounds would probably be worth spending but yeah. this is 55 56 quid very good yeah as long as it helps her keep up with her relations <laughs> see you yeah. well, that's why you were so quiet you were working on that one gareth <laughs> No, I, I have one of these as well. I think, um, you know, if you have elderly parents, you generally sort of build a collection of them. My father used one for a while, and my grandmother had one before him, so I, I think I have two, actually.
actually. Mm. Um, and and uh, do you do you concur with what I've said that you find that the person using it sort of suddenly takes on a new lease lease of speed? Um, I couldn't tell you. I haven't really. Uh, the, the people passed away, <laughs> them. so um, it was somewhat downhill from there. But uh, um, no, uh, uh, my my wife's mother is is looking for one, and we took one of them to a local place who sort of souped it up and fixed all the brakes and things mm-hmm. like that for free, um, and offered to buy the other one off us if I ever managed to find it in the shed. So you know, I think they're they're in high demand and they can be reused a lot. They're they're very durable. There we are. Well, yes. I, if 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 you're listening, Esther, highly recommended. Yes, indeed, very good. Um, but when she, of course, when she's had her knee done, she'll be sixty again. That's what they told her. When you've had your knee done, you'll be sixty again. So yes, I mean th- th- this again is why my mother had it, and then she had a period of not using it in between the operations, and yeah. then you know gracefully entering old age. So yeah, I mean I'm suggesting that y- your mother might like to have it in order to help her recovery from the operation before she takes up the tap dancing and ballet again. <laughs> now, Gareth, you want to talk about old birds? <laughs> I've just been doing that. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, I wasn't going to say that. We um, won't get away with that. I almost <laughs> did, but I refused. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm bringing something uh, somewhat um, d- different to the show that, that people would expect for me to actually talk about being a, a tech addict that I am. Um, this is something that my wife bought. Um, I wasn't interested in it when she was buying it, so I had no influence on the actual purchase that she made. But once it was installed, I really started to note the benefits of ah. it to the point that um, I actually really, really like it. And I'm, I'm thinking about getting a second one. This is the Kingfisher Metal Black Garden Wild Bird Care Traditional Feeding Station BFS. BFS standing for Bath. Blooming f***ing spectacular. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> um, B- uh, bath Feeder Station. BFS. Yeah, there we go. Right. Okay, so it, it is it's a pole that you wedge in the ground and then off that pole has a couple of little hangy bits that have feedy bits for for birds to stop off and have a, a peck at and a, a bowl that you can put water in and another bowl that you can put uh, big fat balls and things like that in that uh, you don't want to fall on the ground and your dog to get because it'll be violently sick for the next 20 hours or so. It's awful. Um, whenever it first went in, I thought, oh, for goodness sake, what's this rubbish she's bought now? And then it sits within um, the same kind of field of vision as my television from my chair in the living room. And I, I started noting all the little birds coming and actually starting to peck away at things and starting to eat stuff out of the things. And I thought, there's it. I haven't seen that type of bird before. What's that bird? All of a sudden, I have a camera. I have a book. Um, and I'm, I'm recording all of the birds that I get to see. We have some very rare tits that come to the garden that don't come very often. Um, I thought I threw that word in there because I know Ted is trying to work out how to get it into the show at some point. What, garden? <laughs> yeah, that's the one, yeah. Um, and I, I, I just, I couldn't quite believe, and I was a bit concerned about actually telling people that I've, I've become a bit of a secret bird watcher uh, from my, my armchair. And to the fact that, actually, whenever I was doing talk sport, I, I spoke to Perry Groves, the Arsenal football player, um, and he's into it as well. He, he's come he's gone down the same road as me, where he has something similar to that, and he's got himself uh, quite addicted to what's happening there. On a Saturday afternoon, I sometimes, do, if I've got a, a half hour, I don't turn on the TV 
I'll look out and see what birds are there because there's interesting things that are happening. And I, I just, I feel sad and old, but it's still interesting. And I've got, a, it uh, encourages camera skills as well because I've got my camera and I'm, I'm, I'm taking pictures again, which I haven't done for years. And uh, yeah, it's great fun. I really enjoy it. I'm so surprised. Don't tell her that. I give you a round of applause, <laughs> sir, because I... Totally, totally with you. I'm the same. I, I love the bird. I've become the old man of the birds during lockdown, as, as have, I'm sure, many people. But, yeah, I can only agree with you, and I'm very happy to hear you say that. And interesting how you poo-pooed it to start with and then slowly came round to it. That's a very touching hmm. little tale. Ted, have you come round to it yet, or are you still at the poo-pooing stage? What's that? Birds. <laughs> birds, I, I, mate. I was, I was trying to work out what BFS was, and it, it must be bird feeding station, mustn't it? Bath. Feeder station. No, oh, bird, bird feeding station. Of course it is. What's well, a bath there as well? It starts with B. <laughs> oh, I give up. It's a multi bath too, so you can have two. Enough. Go one Enough. One Enough. Let's see what's in room one hundred one. Andrew James Slow Cooker. Oh, well, you can get a cream for that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Previously raved about here on Whatever Works, we're going to put it in room 101, but there is a possibility of them coming out with a gold star if they do this right. The the the, 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 the Andrew James slow cooker is a really, really good slow cooker. It's fantastic. But over the um, course of the year and a, a bit that we've had it, the LED numbers on the display on the front just don't work. They're breaking up. They... they um, the, the top and the bottom of the left one is missing, so what looks like what what should be a zero actually looks like one one, and on the right hand side letter number digit there's um two others missing and so you you basically when you're when you set the timer on this um set the length of time you're cooking for you've got no control because you can't read these stupid led readouts so as it's just over a year old, we're writing to the company and saying to them, what are you going to do about this? What about Goodwill? Are you going to replace it or do something about it? And if they do, we'll put them, we'll give them a gold star afterwards. But it's a real shame because the, the slow cooker is really, really nice. Um, and mum likes it a great deal um, because it's one you can put on the stove as well. You can not, it's not a ceramic one. It's made of um, metal and you can actually before you do your slow cooking for example you can you can seal your your um, meat in it and 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 uh, brown the onions and whatever um and it works really well but yes we can't read it now it doesn't stop it being used because we can actually just put it on manually and it stays on for six hours and right. then after six hours you just have to turn it off and back on again so we, we can get around it but um yeah room 101 for now possibly gold star later talking of which you know, they should have used Nixie tubes, not LED, shouldn't they? Then it would have just gone on and on and on forever. Indeed. I want to give a gold star. I'm, I'm late to another party, I'm sure. Scan.co.uk. I'd never heard of them, but now I'm being told, oh, goodness, yeah, we all know Scan. Oh, goodness, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure, you, yeah, Gareth, I'm sure you must know Scan, but then you know every obscure tech website on the web. <laughs> They're not obscure. They've been around longer well, than exactly. me. Exactly. This is the point. But I didn't know that. And I needed a piece of kit for my studio, which I won't bore you with today. Um, and I did my usual thing of looking around to try and find the cheapest price I could. And by quite some margin, by about 20%, the cheapest price was on this website I'd never heard of called Scan.uk. So I did the usual research. I looked at um, Trustpilot and a couple of forums and they seemed safe enough. So I took a punt. I placed the order at 8.30. Nice website, easy to negotiate. Everything, PayPal accepted. Everything went through fine. They sent updates. They send you an email, you know, with this, similar to, the, to what Amazon do. You know, we've received your order. We're now checking your order. Your order's now been dispatched. And blow me, 10.30 the next morning, it arrived by DPD um, with another fanfare, fanfare of emails. So I was just very impressed. I then got an email. I uh, can't remember. Yeah, I think I got a... a, a one of these, you know, you can't fart without getting a questionnaire. How was it for you? Well, I got the questionnaire from them and I wrote back saying, I'm very impressed. I was unsure about your company, but you've proved yourselves worthy and thank you and I'll use you again. And they actually replied to that. I got a personal reply from a lady there saying it's lovely to get emails like that. Thank you. So gold star for a company that I stupidly had never heard of before. But nevertheless, I think they were wonderful. Do you have experience of them then, then Gareth? Have you used Scan? Actually, I went in just to see uh, if if what I'd ordered in the past, and uh, there was something in my shopping basket, and it was actually a set of portable power banks that we featured on Tech Addicts, in, and I think Ted bought them just before Christmas to give them as Christmas oh, presents, yeah. uh, because you get, got one free or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's right. The Mufi Enduro power banky things. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, I have bought hardware from them in the past. They are good very good, uh, especially to Northern Ireland as well. Uh, and you get next day delivery on yeah, that. I mean, they gave Amazon a run for their money on that one, definitely. Sorry, Ted. Mm. And clearly so have I. I'd completely forgotten about that. But, Gareth, you're quite right. I did order those, and one of them was a bit rubbish. The one that was free, they were giving away. But the, the main one was actually very good. Yeah, yeah, they're still doing them, seventeen ninety nine. Yeah, I don't want any more. <laughs> no, you want a wind turbine. Come on. <laughs> Duncan Robinson was next. He wants to put into, um, not to put into Room 101, but to give a gold star to Richer Sounds. I remember Richer Sounds. It was a oh, great yes, shop. I too. used to love going in there. I'd go and sit in their booth and listen to all their equipment that I couldn't yep. afford. Yep. Duncan Robinson says, The screen on my 2016 TV developed a bluish purple tint due to a faulty backlight LED. It was still under Richer Sound's free six-year guarantee. After one quick email to Richer Sounds, a customer service rep called me back to apologise for not being able to repair my TV, but instead instead said, you can have a brand new TV to the same value. They sent me a voucher for the full value I paid in 2016 to use against a new um, TV or anything that Richer Sounds sells, actually. On top of that, I since had a call from my local store to check if I wanted help in choosing said TV, and they price matched John Lewis, beating their price by ten pounds. In fact, and um, he says Duncan says he certainly won't be buying TV kit from anywhere else in the future. Richer sounds, yeah, absolutely. I did. I I bought loads of stuff from them in the past when I was into separates and. Um, Oh, not TV, but into audio. Um, and I would just go down there, as I say, into the Southampton branch. And I was sit in their little room and just um, test all the gear out. Really good fun. Mm, very good, yes. Richard signs are excellent, I have to say. I've never had a bad experience with them. Ditto. 
Okay, well, because of lockdown, um, I've, I've been looking for things to do that get me away from the computer and things, uh, like bird feeding stations. <laughs> um, and the, the, the one thing that I, I have actually found myself buying more often than not was, um, was coffee table books. And because I'm not having people round, and they're not thumbing through coffee table books, so I keep my coffee table books nice and crispy and clean. <laughs> That's um, like saying I'll only open a restaurant if nobody comes in and messes it up and eats the food. <laughs> absolutely. That would be the best restaurant in the world. So Bitmap Books is a company, uh, .co.uk, um, and you can get these beautiful, absolutely gorgeous books based around computers of the past that feature so uh, glossy ah. big images of classic games of classic hardware exploring the history of the likes of the commodore 64 or the amiga or the sinclair spectrum and nintendo entertainment system uh, one that i bought quite recently was the art of the point and click adventure game and i, th I it was a bit of a kind of uh, should i but uh, i just went ahead and grabbed it because it was on offer and um it's massive, it's huge, opened it up, and there was just all these classic adventure games that I remember playing back in the 80s and 90s on, on various different computers. And I, it, was, it was a beautiful walk down memory lane. Then I discovered that they have another one as well, which is about micro-machines, which were little toy cars that you could buy back in the 1980s. I think they still do them now, I'm not sure. But they had a... It, it's just one book full of pictures of all these old toys gloriously presented in a hardback book. I, I, I wish that I had enough money to be able to just go and grab them all because they look so good. I, if anyone's a bit of an enthusiast about old tech, this is a good place to go and, and find some just beautiful books. I know there's a lot online, but uh, they, I, I recommend these guys as well because they're, they're, they are excellent. Excellent they things. do look lovely. Did you come across Elite, the computer game, in, in there <laughs> at all? No, but I imagine it would be in the the ZX Spectrum book, um, which I don't have. Right. I'm just thinking of a present for my brother, what wrote Elite. And I have to say that, Aidan, you and your brother are some of the finest people who have ever lived because you made my childhood with that game. Well, I thank you. <laughs> All I did was write the jingle. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the Game Boy one and so many memories are coming back with all these Game Boy games that I used to play. Um, and it would be... I'm not so bothered about lots of the other ones, but that Game Boy one, I, I remember so fondly um, that I would really like that. How much is it? Mm. Hardback is 30 quid. And you get a PDF version, it says, as well. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it, it is something you'll come back to over and over again. I, I've, I've got into, a, I've, there's a lot of coffee table books I've bought recently. Because actually, if you go onto Amazon as well, you can get old ones. Um, you can get old James Bondy type ones uh, that are huge. And I think you kind of want to get rid of them. So they're, they're dirt cheap, but they're immaculate condition. But it's like anything to do with collecting or interest of any kind. If you can find a book that tickles your particular fancy, then you are going to sit down and lap it up, aren't you? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's something else to do that isn't watching TV or, or listening to something. It's sit by the window with one of these on a Saturday afternoon and a cup of coffee if it's raining outside. And, oh, it's gorgeous. Wonderful. Very nice, yeah. Very good stuff indeed. Whatever works, eh? There you go. We're done, gentlemen. We're we're way over time. Um, <laughs> but it's been such fun. Um, Sorry. Thank you. No, thank you for coming on the show, Gareth. It's been great to talk with yes, you. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much, Gareth. 
I just need to jump in quickly and say something, gentlemen. Uh, if I've sounded at all distracted uh, in the last 10, 15 minutes, it's because I need to put in a quick addendum to my chain extenders, cheapest chips that I've talked about earlier in the show. While I've been sitting here fiddling with this thing, I managed to tie a knot in it. <laughs> I can't undo it. And I'm driving myself nuts because I'm too ADHD to just put the damn thing down. So apologies. <laughs> Throw it in the bin. They're cheap as chips. Yeah. I've done, I've done that before. You tie a knot in a chain and you cannot get it undone. Oh, but um, I will, you see. At the cost of wrecking the podcast and everything, I'm going to undo this <laughs> knot if it kills me. <laughs> Please continue. Anyway, yes. Uh, we're, we're right out of time. Far too long it's been. But it's been absolutely great to have you on, Gareth. Um, any last words from you um, before we leave? Uh, uh, don't shoot. Um, uh, um, it's been lovely to be here. Thank you don't for having me on. Don't shoot people. It's been lovely having you on the show, Gareth. Do please come back again. If you, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks' time with another one. And um, don't forget that you can head across to the movie group. Let us know whatever works in your life. Whateverworks.works is where you'll find the show notes and links to all the other stuff. TezSalmon.com for me, AidenBell.com for Aiden, and GarethMiles.com for Gareth. Um, so until then, we'll back in two weeks' time. And don't forget, whatever, whatever works, works. works.